Guys, good Friday morning. My name is Jerry Miller, and welcome to Real Talk with Keith Smith. Thank you kindly for joining us. It's a pleasure to connect with you guys through the I Love Seville Network on a show presented by Yes Realty Partners. Today's show is dynamite, and it's dynamic. You, the viewer and listener, can help shape the discussion. And today's program features the king of content, Sir Neil Williamson himself, the president of the Free Enterprise Forum. There are few people in this community as connected as Neil Williamson. The guy legitimately reads government documents. I'm just going to say that again. He legitimately reads government documents. He may be the only one in this community that reads government documents. Well, I'll give Sean Tubbs some props. Sean, you do as well. We miss you, Sean Tubbs. Judah Wickhauer is our director. You may or may not recognize the star of this program. He's incognito, (laughs) Neil. He's not here. Wearing a cape. He's got a belt and a mask on. You might need to stand up. Uh, I've got my... I've got my... Housing affordability utility belt. We have a superhero fighting for housing affordability. What is your superhero name? Uh, Neil, we need to get that. <laughs> He's a housing hero. Housing He's hero. Housing there you hero. go. God, housing hero. So I just, I just trying to put, get dressed up in front of people. We got uh, that. The housing hero. Housing hero. Yeah, I think this mask is coming off because I'm, I'm thinking of when Robin sits another thing about, about this whole I can't see anything. And even though uh, I may or may not have spent a half an hour taping a mask to a pair of eyeglasses, um, I think this is going to come off pretty quickly. Um, but, hey, Neil, thank you for joining us. Um, you know, it's always a pleasure when, when we have, have you here. Um, I, I start my watch, Apple Watch timer to see how many zingers will come in per minute. Um, so it's been a little bit light today. Usually you, you get... Well, showed you started. Well, no, yeah. normally it's in the pre-production meeting. I'm getting a couple, of, a couple of zingers. But for the half a dozen people in the world who do not know who you are and what you do, let us know what you guys do. Sure. I'm Neil Williamson. Uh, since 2003, I've served as the uh, president and executive director of the Free Enterprise Forum. We're a privately funded public policy organization focused on local governments in central Virginia. Um, in doing that, I attend a large number of meetings, mainly in Charlottesville and Albemarle, uh, but also in Green, a little bit in Fluvanna, and from time to time in Nelson. Um, we also have a stringer, uh, Brent Wilson, who covers Green County for us. Um, which Green has a a number of interesting things going on right now, um, as it is in the, uh, I guess they used to call it the ex-burbs, but uh, I'm running into more and more people, uh, when we talk about housing affordability, I'm running into more and more people that are working in the community in professional jobs that are living in Buckingham. And that, that just speaks to uh, some of the housing affordability or the product that they can't find in the locality where their employment is. Well, um, thank you for being part of the kickoff series here. Yes, last Friday we had uh, Jesse Rutherford and Jesse shared with us, who's the chair of Nelson County Board of Supervisors, shared the same stat with us, that they, their folks that are working at their school systems don't live in Nelson County. They're in Buckingham or Amelia, I think it's Amelia County, which is um, a little south on, of of Nelson County, which you know, I you know found that as as, as odd, right? And now we're hearing the same thing in, in Greene County on that end of it. Um, but let's let's pivot a little bit because you know you're in the wine business, right? Kind of connected in, in a certain way. Uh, talk a little bit about the sale that came up. 
Sure. It's, pretty, it's a pretty big big news, and Jerry uh, talked about it yesterday on his show, and you wrote about it this morning, and I was busy trying to figure out how to tape a mask to a pair of glasses this morning. I, I just wonder when you're able to do real estate based on their capabilities. He's a realtor. He's a realtor. He's a realtor. Um, the... Uh, for, by there you of, go. It was a couple minutes. By means of background. <laughs> a couple um, minutes. I do bad. all the writing, the wine writing for the Virginia Wine of the Month Club, and I've been associated with the Virginia wine industry since about the year 2000. Um, at wow. one point, I, uh, I was the general manager for Prince Michelle Vineyards and their Napa partner, their Napa sister company, LaDuke Vineyards. Um, and I've continued to be involved with the Well Hung Vineyard uh, in with an operation in uh, Gordonsville, Roanoke, as well as in Charleston, South Carolina. Um, the purchase that Keith so wonderfully referenced was the acquisition of Jefferson Vineyards and, uh, more importantly, the associated acreage, um, which some of which was already under conservation easement, uh, but it was acquired by the Thomas Jefferson Foundation, uh, which owns the uh, presidential estate Monticello. Uh, some folks... Not many local folks, but some folks seem to believe that's a national park. It's not. It's privately owned by a 501c3 organization, the Thomas Jefferson Foundation. Um, the foundation and the Free Enterprise Forum have had differing views over the years regarding property rights. Um, the foundation believes that it is, criti it is uh, critically important that they um, have the view as Thomas Jefferson would have seen it from his Monticello to Charlottesville. Um, the Free Enterprise Forum says that'd be great, buy it, um, because you really shouldn't be trampling on other people's property rights. Um, and so the, that conflict uh, has been 20 years going, um, and they, the foundation actually provided really aggressive language to begin with in the 2015 Albemarle County Comprehensive Plan that was uh, suggesting that there be a checkoff box every time there was a land use decision that was within the Monticello viewshed that Monticello had been consulted. Um, we find that to make them a super citizen. What other pri private property owner has that right? There's none. There's none and there should be none. Right. There are still some of that, those vestiges of the language still exist in the 2015 plan. We are now in the midst of AC44. Um, this is the comprehensive plan program for Albemarle County. There is phase two kicks off Monday. Um, I have been selected. Uh, I think they took everybody, which is why I think I was selected, uh, to be a part of the phase two program um, and to be uh, one of the stakeholders and to share my experience with my cohort of folks through the blog and through other meetings and these types of media appearances. Um, I'm hopeful that as one of their big ideas for this comp plan, they're talking about equity. Well, if one private property owner has a zoning designation that no other private property owner has, is that equitable? Hmm. Um, it's funny. I, 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 I'm cheering the purchase of Jefferson Vineyards and the assorted acreage. I also cheered when Monticello bought Mount Alto, which used to be known as Browns Mountain, and um, I understand some law students over the years had some really good parties up on Browns Mountain. <laughs> Not that I'd ever been there to do that. There's no photographic evidence either. Um, but um, And if there was, it was photoshopped. Yes. Mount Alto is, uh, was acquired in 2004. And at the time, uh, Dan Jordan, who was the uh, 
who was the president of the foundation, said it's a very expensive approach to view shed protection. But we're not in the real estate business, but we had to save our view shed to protect a community landmark. And they spent the money. It sounds like they're in the real estate business. Well, they are in they, the real estate they, business. Well, they seem to buy them. They own that whole section of, of, of the county. So what, what is – I didn't get a chance to read your blog, so I apologize. So what, and what is their intent with it? Are they going to run it as they, a vineyard? or The winery in all media accounts that I've reviewed has deferred to the foundation. The foundation has said they do not have any current plans to change anything. Um, the staff will remain. The winery will remain. That's the current plans. But they own it now. They can do whatever they want with it. That's the idea. Is if you want to protect the view shed, buy, buy it. it. Yeah. So they own. Doesn't this seem like common sense? I hate. I'm not supposed to use that word anymore. That phrase. But it seems like it's common sense here. Well, as the recovering developer and and the housing hero, what's what's the d- developer 101? Well, it, developer it, 101 is to control everything that you can around you. And that's what they're doing. They're controlling all the land uh, around them. They, they are, and it has, if that's what you want to do, and you, that's core to your mission, this is how you do it. Yeah. And you need to have a willing property owner to sell to you. And the Woodwards, who are good people, I know Attila well, and they sold them. Mm-hmm. And some of this land, as I say, is already, quote, protected under conservation easements, but the, um, the reality is nothing now will happen on that land without the express consent of the Thomas Jefferson Foundation. So um, for those who may not know what a conservation easement is that um, listen, that's listening or watching the show, this is an easement that you can put onto your personal property that generally has some substantial tax incentives uh, attached to it but in essence it means what what the word means is that there will be no future development within that conservation easement is that a fair assessment of it generally yes it's important to recognize every conservation easement is different and has different things that are and are not allowed Um, that being said conservation easements are also forever so when you push put down a conservation easement it's not just you who you're impacting. You're impacting your heirs. Your heirs yeah. Any, anybody who buys that land, hat, that conservation easement goes with the land. My uh, mentor, Bill Nitchman, um, has significant acreage in Keswick area under conservation easement. Um, and he chose to do this um, not... He chose to do this because he wanted to preserve what he thought was the integrity of the land moving forward. Um, and it was important to him, even though he had a son... Um, and he made this move um, after conferring with his wife and his boy, and they said, let's go ahead and do this. So I respect people that do this. Mm-hmm. And to Neil's point, he says this often, um, property owners have property rights. So if they choose to do this, it's their right to do so. Absolutely. There are some. Um, I'm, I'm a big believer in voluntary conservation easements um, if that works for the property owner. That being said, we have concerns, and in fact, most easement holders won't accept a property, uh, an easement in a designated development area. It's kind of like putting a state park in the middle of where you're supposed to grow. It goes against mm. common sense. But biscuit run. Biscuit run. <laughs> but the, the idea behind 
the conservation easements, there are some critics that say it's a hand from the grave. Mm. Explain that. The idea is that if this lives on far past you and your heirs, it is forever. It's attached to the property and it goes with the property as you sell the property. So are you basically alluding it could impact housing affordability? Is that what you're, is that what you're alluding to? I'm suggesting that I've asked the question, how much is enough? How much is enough? Well, perpetuity is forever. Right, but it, how well, much acreage yeah, is yeah, enough? Yeah, that's the okay. question. So if you, I mean, Albemarle County put forth a pretty hefty goal in the 2000s for uh, amount of land in conservation easement. They also got a great deal of, they got a number of new conservation easements um, in what was uh, the revalidation of the land use program. Um, that meant if you were in conservation easement, you automatically got land use. Um, that's a lower taxation. The other option that exists that many don't know about is ag forestal districts. And my way of thinking, that's a 10-year commitment to preserve large swaths of land that are adjacent to each other. Um, as uh, our friend Lonnie Murray says, it, it protects habitats for bears and things to run. And it's not forever. It's a 10-year commitment, and it renews, and you can opt out at the 10 years. So uh, I tend to think that is more um, approachable for many people than for a perpetuity. But that's the difference between uh, the conservation easement and the ag forestal districts. I have several clients I work with that, that do conservation easements, and it's typically huge in tax incentives. It's generally the reason from the property owner's perspective to go ahead and do that. I will tell you, I'm working with a couple right now that they kind of say, I regret I did it, right? Because now they want to, to Jerry's point, uh, there's been some family changes, and they want to kind of subdivide this up for just a family subdivision, and they can't. Uh, they can't do that. So this is, um, you know, something that you should go into with very wide eyes open and, and, and counsel from a, a trusted, trusted advisor <laughs> on that end of it. But um, let, while you're on Albemarle County, I, I kind of want to revisit this meeting you and I sat in that was the agenda was a developer incentives, which didn't quite turn out to be the case. So um, are we ever going to see developer incentives from Albemarle County and if so do you have you can have the cape and the mask if you want do you have any idea what they're really going to end up being I, I think we better reset the stage for sure. folks to know where we are on this whole process sure so Albemarle County uh, approved a two years ago approved something called housing Albemarle these were uh, this would include mandating new developments provide I'm sorry proffer it's a voluntary proffer, uh, 20% of their new units to be affordable at a certain level. And that um, measure was, was enacted and then put on hold until they developed the developer incentives that would make the math work to allow that to happen. So right? this, is, this is the 20%... Right, uh, the development should have twenty percent affordable housing or new developments. All that it's currently fifteen. That's correct. Right? It, the twenty hasn't been enacted yet because the developer incentives are not kicked in yet. Right, it hasn't been enacted, but boy, do they seem to be getting more and more folks coming in with twenty and greater um, because they they say it's not enacted yet. Wink, wink. But we could enact it any time we want, 
and this is what we want, and boy, we'd look more favorably on your application if you had more affordable housing. Um, they won't say that verbatim because it would be a quid pro quo and likely be illegal, um, but it is because it wouldn't be a voluntary proffer then. Um, it, it's a mandate. But the where that is is we, the development community, I was in a number of meetings uh, early on in the discussions, and we provided a litany, a, you know, a menu of ideas of things that could be done. And um, we had two good meetings and then crickets. Literally, uh, I probably said too much, so I didn't get called back. Um, but the, um, the other change that occurred with house, uh, about the same time as Housing Albemarle was enacted, the Affordable Housing Department, the Housing Department, moved from community development into social services. Now, that may seem very bureaucratic, but it is a change in, and you're working now cross-departmentally with housing, and it, it creates an interesting dynamic. So the question you asked is, will we ever see it? According to our, the meeting that we attended, um, we will. Well, there was some frustration at the dais about that. Um, it was fascinating, and I credit you and Ned for the meetings that you've been in with the Regional Housing Partnership because there is a, such a good understanding of the reality of building affordable housing. Right. He said from the dais, something along the lines of, if you don't think we're going to have to pay for this, you're, you're mistaken. mistaken. Um, so they need skin in the game. Look at stuff that has worked. Uh, the View out in Crozet, uh, I believe that's the name of that parcel. That's there, right. it was the, there was a tax abatement. What does that mean? Well, for, uh, 20, for 15 years, they will pay, well, they'll pay full boat on the taxes with the improvements, and then they get rebated the portion of taxation that is greater than what it was before the development. Um, and that then, in year 15, starts to go down by 20% a year until year 20, it's full boat taxation. So, so these tools are being used in other jurisdictions. Fulvana County, Colonial Circle, there's literally foundations in the ground for 125 one- to three-bedroom apartments that will serve 60% AMI and below on that, that received a tax incentive. Uh, this is what I'm calling it, a tax incentive from Fulvana County. So there are you know, regional projects that are coming out. I guess the, the question I'm trying to wrestle with is, are, are we really ever going to see the incentives that's going to move the needle in the right direction? And I hate to be a pessimist about it. I, it just feels like we're never going to get there. I, never's a long time, Keith. Sure. The um, and I'm close sure. at my age. I'm closer to never than I was, especially when Yona's out of town. Um, <laughs> the uh, nice number. I'm keeping count. That's that's two. Two. Was that's that two? two? Was that two? The uh, the bottom line on. Should I bring my my clippers over here? Or something? No, 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 no. The bottom line on the tax abatement piece is how you can understand it works. The locality takes 15 years of providing services to that community without receiving full tax benefit. The, the community, the, the developer who owns the parcel or their subsidiary or whatever subsequent owner, pays the lower amount, but all that time they're paying down the principal on their note 
for lack of a better term. And so they just refinance in year 16 or 17, and now they have the funds available to support the and keep the housing affordable. Now, this is just one. I think there's not a silver bullet. It's silver buckshot. buckshot. Shout, um, a shout out to my dear friend Robert, Robert Liberty. Liberty. Robert yeah. Liberty. Gosh, give me liberty so or give much. me death. Yeah. Um, I may have play, plagiarized the hell out of that. But but <laughs> the the idea that itself won't give you housing affordability. So most of the folks that I watch, and you saw this with the RST project up at Forest Lakes as well, they're using what's called LIHTC, which is low-income tax credits. That's right and leveraging state funds as well. So it's two, three, four deals, all of which that require housing affordability for a longer term than the 20 years of the tax abatement. So this project in Colonial Circle has LIHTC, has the local tax uh, incentive in front of it. It required all those pieces of the puzzle in order to produce 125, 60% in AM and below rent, rental, rental units. Uh, you know, I, I just, I, I'm generally a positive guy, right? Uh, but I it's was hard all, to be on this one. It, 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 the bottom line is localities that want affordable housing across the spectrum must invest yeah. in affordable housing. So on my ride in this morning, I had four real estate agents call me from four different firms, from four different jurisdictions, asking me, because apparently I wear a cape, asking me, hey, I need to find a first-time home buyer. Where, where is something coming up? Where should I be looking? You know, they were reaching out to me because the, the buyer pool is so deep. They're trying to desperately find something. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I actually came in a little, little down today because I, I don't know what to tell them, you know. And, you know, it's that we're going to talk, hopefully talk about the city uh, rezoning here in a little while, but you know, other than going, and we're going to on Monday talk with Woody Fincham and talk about the market on the other side of the mountain. It, it's 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 a difficult conversation to have with folks. Uh, Kevin Yancey's watching on the other side of the mountain, and he says in Waynesboro, assessments have ranged have jumped um, anywhere from um, thirty to nearly forty percent year over year. Kevin Yancey, I sent you a direct message. Make sure you pay off that bet. And give Scott Morris <laughs> that bottle of bourbon. It's been 41 days. You need to pay that bet. Um, he's saying the assessments are out of control in Waynesboro. And, and we're going to talk about that on Monday, right? I, I kind of want to focus on Albemarle and Charlottesville a little bit, a little, a little bit today. But um, you know, I'm going to give you whichever color you would like. One of the magic wands. So, in your magic wand. What is the top three or four incentives that Albemarle County should be doing that they're not, in your opinion? It's a great question. I, I believe that a well-structured um, tax abatement program is one that, that can be done and has been done. Secondarily, direct investment. Habitat for Humanities project right now has a million dollars, roughly, of county direct investment through a performance agreement and they're meeting those goals and exceeding those goals. And that is another one that a million dollars in a project makes a difference. I can uh, jump in on that. $625,000 Albemarle County gave to Land Trust, and we produced 23 homes with a partnership at Stanley Martin Homes, which are valued roughly $8 million. So you're 100% right. Direct investment matters. I interrupted you. That, that's all right. The, the, 
the reality also is that we need to examine where you think the market takes care of things and where the government must step in. There is a safety net. There needs to be a safety net for shelter. Not everyone should be a homeowner. Sorry to my realtor friends. Not everyone should be a homeowner. Ray Cadell says that all the time. Homeownership is not for everybody. It, it is a um, – so the question is we, we often try and break these into cohorts. So what cohort are you trying to serve? I believe there is a cohort from zero to 60, 65 that need government subsidy and support. So we're period. talking about AMI. AMI, I'm sorry, for annual median income. So um, that is a locality-based number. That being said, then you get that 65 to 80% AMI. That is probably your rental market, subsidized by Section 8 housing, um, subsidized by uh, creating a product that is owned entirely by the, uh, the entity, so that it's one, it, there's no purchase opportunity there. It's, it's a designed rental uh, facility. Um, and then you have the market. The market really can barely handle right now under current interest rates 80 to 100%. Yeah, it's, it's, it's. The interest rates make the difference. And that's the, that's the part that gets lost often is what does it take? Because I can add more context to that. So the, I, I, from the land trust, the 23 units that we sold, um, was, was the average AMI was 65%. But you can't go over 215 in right. the purchase price, to your point. So as you start going up in the purchase price, your area medium income starts growing and growing and growing um, and, and that end of it. But you're 100% right. It can be done, but it also requires, you know, a little bit of change in this red tape, man. It, it, it does. But here you asked what the county yeah. can do. Here's a crazy idea that the county and the state could do tomorrow. How about planning affordable housing and a mix of housing around the infamous Biscuit Run State Park? I had the pleasure of going to Greenville with the chamber last year, and the, we, we saw a, um, an area that was reclaimed uh, into a park by the city of Greenville. Um, and it, it was mainly in floodplain, but surrounding the floodplain was slightly elevated, and they've carved off that circle to be affordable housing. And what are they doing to make that affordable housing happen? They're given the land. You take the land out of the equation, whether it be a community land trust. You have affordability. Anything, you have affordability. If you take the land out of the equation and in exchange for the land you get a, a portion of the deed, you then can, can keep it affordable. I'm going to timestamp um, what he just said. Evidently there's a uh someone who's very curious about running for a board of supervisors that would like an action plan for Biscuit Run Park, and that might be the action plan right there. Um, why is that not done? It's, it's not done, but it's controlled by the state. Remember, the state gave a 99-year lease to Albemarle County. Um, but if you look at what it takes to build affordable housing, you need to have materials, you need to have labor, and you need to have land. And infrastructure. And infrastructure. Um, the, uh, and the idea behind it for the county would be to get into that business, whether it's being the holder of the land trust, transferring some county-owned land that isn't going to be used for a school sure. to the land trust, if they did that transfer. And 
maybe they subdivided it ahead of time because sometimes projects that are by the locality get through the, the red tape faster. Um, those are the kind of out-of-the-box thinking that we need. And why can't we do it? I love this guy. So one of the things I'm, I'm pushing hard and, and getting a little resistant is to create a land bank which is in essence what you're talking about, and where the six jurisdictions all get together under a certain umbrella. I, I happen to think the Regional Housing Partnership is the right umbrella to do that. Some may think otherwise. But what you do is you create this regional land bank, which does exactly the same thing, where you would take a school or a portion of some county-owned property that you can turn around and do similar to what UVA is doing, right? You send out an RFP, Right, you have to partner up with some developers, and and, and I, I I will say that it's critical to um, to talk about what UVA is doing. It, it, it has I, I will be uh, moderating a panel at the State of the Community event next week, next Friday. I encourage folks to go to the State of the Community event. I think it's 11:30 uh, on Friday uh, at the Darden School. It's a ticketed event. There'll be lunch at the end. I'll be the one that stands between you and your lunch. Um, but I'll be, I had, have had the opportunity to speak with uh, <clears throat> Pace Lockney from UVA a number mm -hmm. of times preparing for this panel. And, you know, she has been associated with the university for 20 years or so. And I was just saying, you know, this is just, I've been doing this for about 20 years. This is a huge change in thinking yeah. by the university. They're delivering units. Now, people say it's not enough units, it's not fast enough. Then there's those of us in the desert just looking for a glass of water that are saying, my God, thank you for bringing a glass of water. So well, they're, they're going to deliver it's 1,500 <clears throat> units. Charlottesville Twitter is certainly saying it's not fast enough. Um, you've seen those tweets. Yeah. Um, you're saying you're not necessarily buying that. I'm, I'm saying something is better than nothing. Sooner would be better, but something is better than nothing. I agree. So one of the other masks and hats that I wear, as you well know, I'm on the community engagement team uh, for that project. So, you know, they, they are focusing on the two uh, rental units for, for the most part uh, at the moment, and they're in the RFP process, request for proposal process. Uh, you know, I'd like to see it to go a little faster uh, on that end of it, but they are moving in the right direction. The next big thing for the ownership will be the North, North Fork the North Fork parcel, which will have probably a larger number of units, which will have some ownership component in it. Um, but at the moment, it looks like there's... And, and it's important to recognize North Fork is owned by the foundation. It is. Well, all three parcels are owned by the foundation. Uh, that, that's just a recent move. They took the one that's across from... Um, help me out. What's the hotel on West Main Street? The Old Sears Building. The Old Sears Building. Thank you. On West Main Street. Um, they've actually handed the the UVA handed that over to, to the foundation, which is an important piece of information because it has to go through the zoning process, which we're going through this whole RFP process, and now we've got to go through a whole rezoning site plan process through the city and or Albemarle County. But it, 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 the, the point that you made is it took me about 10 years to get UVA at the table as part of the land, uh, part of the Planning District Commission and the Regional Housing Partnership and the fact that they're at the table is a huge step forward. Agreed. And I'm happy to report that uh, 
the, the president will be speaking at the State of the Community event along with uh, Pace Lockney on my panel. Um, and this event will be, it, there's still a, a hundred or so tickets left. Um, and you can go to seavillechamber.com to get your tickets. Well, I'm going to pick one up, but I'll be sitting in the seat till around 1130, but I'll show up late and, and watch you guys chat. Uh, comments coming in fast and furious. Um, let's go to the I Love Seville group. Um, and on the I Love Seville group, multiple people are asking for some insight on the Southwood project and if it's truly housing affordability. Do you want to touch on that, Neil? Sure. The, the Southwood project is moving. You talk about something that took a long time to get to where they got to. It took a long time to get that moving. Um, but I can't recall who it was, but there, there was one, um, I believe it was a planning commissioner in Charlottesville that said, yeah, I mean, I literally can watch Southwood going up, and there's a new house almost every day. Um, is it really housing affordability? Well, um, I would encourage you to take a look at the performance agreement that, uh, that Habitat for Humanity has with Albemarle County. Um, they have met each of those goals. Um, they, to receive the funds, they have to report in on a regular basis on what their milestones that they've hit. Um, it's not all affordable housing. That's it, what I was just It is a project that is supported, that includes affordable housing, but is supported by commercial development and market development. This is how it works. It's mixed use, mixed income. It is, but also it is um, at its core, it is anti-displacement. Anyone who is living in the Southwood trailer park has the opportunity, but not the requirement, to move to one of the new units. And, and they, this has been a resident-driven process. Um, it, it is uh, Dan Rosenzweig, who I think has been on the program mm -hmm. a couple of he times. Has, in front of the show. Uh, he, is a, he, he is a much nicer person than I am and is a, 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 a wealth of information about resident-driven planning. And, and that's a great thing to point out. Um, you know, it is mixed use. It is, is mixed income. The, the residents that have the opportunity to go ahead and do that, you know, if that they're taking advantage of, they're able to take advantage of that, is a different conversation to have. But they're doing it. And it's very similar to a project that's happening a little bit in the center of town, right, where it was the same thing. Um, it was no displacement, you know, friendship court, right? And so, the, you know, they're building uh, the... Um, that question has come in um, on Friendship Court, Garrett Square. Mm -hmm. Former mayor is calling out Su Sunshine Mathon yep. on how this project is being handled. She and did a Facebook post yesterday about this, a log one. And it's really, and I walk past it a couple of times a day because uh, it's by my office, and they're really doing a great job, but that's the intent. They're going to build one set of buildings, and, and the folks who wish to move into that will move into that, and they'll start working their way around the project and then go ahead and demolish the existing thing. But it was very community-driven, and it took a, quite a while to get there. Well, it's interesting. They're, I've heard anecdotally of some challenges they've had with the red tape, uh, I believe you saw some of that with your Nassau Street project. I've still seen it, actually. Believe it or not, believe it or not, we are two and a half years past closing, and I still, we still haven't gotten our bond money back. Not well, that I'm complaining. We've it, got it, people's in it. But. Well, it, it is a, um, uh, when you talk about what makes projects cost yeah, money, there it is. There it is. There it is. And I, I believe that there have been significant cost overruns um, on the 
uh, Friendship Courts projects um, that have been driven by the uh, by by the red tape. Yeah, so um, you could, somebody can Google, they can look on its national stats, 25% of every new construction home, that regardless if it's an apartment or otherwise, or single-family detached, is red tape. But, but there, you know, and, and, and the question is, what's the proper balance? Yeah. Because what does the zoning regulation do? It not only protects the homeowner, it protects the subsequent buyer. And there are certain things that you want to make certain are correct. For instance, you probably want to have it be structurally sound. I mean, that seems reasonable, and somebody should be checking that. You don't just take the word as caveat emptor. So that's why we have inspections. So the question becomes one of how it's applied and how deeply does it go and what's reasonable and rational. Is 25% too much? Probably. But what are you getting for that? What protection are you getting? And well, is, it, is the juice worth the squeeze? So, uh, stuff's coming in fast ahead, on this. Um, so there, there's got to be some kind of disconnect happening. And Katie, I'm going to get to your comment. KTP, the Queen of Whitehall, Katie Pearl watching the show. I have four different people asking about affordability in Southwood right now. Why is the disconnect? Is it the messaging? Is it the branding? Is it the communication? Like this question from Katie, and she's a realtor, and yep. she's mm -hmm. very talented. Mm -hmm. She says, I'm curious if the residents of Southwood are able to afford to live in the new development, or is this through Habitat? Then on another page, ultimately it seems the goal is profit and not the replacement of affordable housing at Southwood. And then on another page altogether, the residents of Southwood are losing their homes here and are being left without a place to live. I mean, the same comment in very different forms here. What's happening here? So, if you don't mind me jumping in, I think you started it off right. I think, I think it's a lack of ma messaging and, and maybe not getting the story out correctly. I wrote a, no I wrote a note down. We're going to have to get Dan in here and let Dan speak to speak to it. You know, very specifically on what's happening. Every conversation I've ever had with Habitat is nobody is being displaced. Um, only if they wish to be this, you know, not to take possession of something. Now, Dan needs to say that, not Keith or Neil. Is that a fair statement? That's fair, and I think that the. Um, uh, I think part of it is the perception because the there are going to be properties that come up that are going to be market rate, and those market rate units, um, you know, I there's another project, uh, Lachlan Hills, that has habitat. You know that well. Habitat, know real well. Habitat yeah. homes, and there was a there were folks that had a fear that the adjacent properties wouldn't per wouldn't be desirable because you were next to a habitat home. The reverse has been true. There have been some people that really, really, really want to be in that neighborhood so that they have that mixed community. Yeah, so habitat has a section within within that, and you're 100% right. Some people were afraid. Some people weren't on that end of it. But, uh, uh, you know, uh, I've, my sister lives there. That's what I'm saying. You and, know it well. And I know it well, and... It's been absolutely not the case. It works out really, really well. But so I made a note. We're, we're going to get Dan in here. This is he's a simple, couple of great questions. I don't want to answer it incorrectly, but everything that I understand is if the folks that are living there wish to buy, they have the ability to go ahead and do that. I, I How also, that mechanism works, I don't know exactly. I, I also will say that the, uh, the folks associated with the development have been um, – somewhat masterful in 
bringing the residents to planning commission meetings, board of supervisors meetings, and bringing translators, because there are many that do not have English as a first language, so they, that folks can understand what's going on in front of them. Um, I, I, I am encouraged by what, what Habitat is doing. It's one model. It's not the only model. But it is, it is important to recognize Habitat is a developer here. Yeah. They are de making a development work with the idea of uh, non-displacement and with market rate units included. And, and they have to go through the same development process that everyone else does. A uh, friend of the program, John Blair, watching the show. NBC29 is watching the show. Tom Healy, the realtor, watching the show. Joyce Washington, the realtor, watching the program. Ashley Butler is saying, Neil Williamson, fly, Eagles, fly. <laughs> She's watching the show as we speak right now. Um, I see the Seville watching the show here. Um, why are there parallels, Keith, with the messaging at Southwood and the messaging at Friendship Court? Um, because many in the community are seeing, say, Friendship Court, that the African-American community is being displaced there. And many in the community are saying the Hispanic community is getting displaced from Southwood. Is that a messaging issue? I, I mean, yeah. you literally have the former mayor ripping sunshine right now on social media. Yeah. So, again, I, I, I'm not in the room. I'm not in the, in the great uh, details on that stuff. Everything I know from the periphery and meetings I've ever attend, attended, that is not supposed to happen. Now, if it's happening, you know, that's a whole different, different conversation. But, you know, Southwood in particular, I'm looking at it right now. This is a huge project. It's multiple phases. Massive. Uh, I, I, can't rem I can't read fast enough to figure out what the number of units are in it, but there's different phases which will, will handle different parts of the community. We talk about missing middle all the time. This is an exact uh, example of what missing middle is all about, right? It's missing middle is, in my opinion, much more than just you know, product type. It's also income-based and so forth and so on. So these, these are working on the missing middle. It's hard for us to get into this debate right now without either Sunshine at the table or, or Dan at the table. And I'm going to invite both of them so that we can have this conversation uh, live, but I'm a little bit reluctant to go down that road right. without knowing the details. And, and I encourage folks, the uh, Thomas Jefferson Planning District, I yep. believe, is, is hosting a, a housing affordability home March. again um, event. And I want to say it's the end of March. March 23rd. March 23rd. Um, that How many was, people go to those things? Over 200. Yeah. Well, we, we timed. The first one we did was in. It was a Good Friday in the 2020. 20, no, it was 21. It was 19 because it was just before the pandemic started. Uh, we had a couple hundred people. We've actually been doing, we meaning the Regional Housing Partnership during that, has actually been doing um, uh, weekly or monthly um, Zoom meetings. And we're having you know, 100 people, 75 people That's show up, which is, which is a, good, yeah. a good amount. But look, I think at the end of the day, this is a messaging problem. This is this is not getting the story out there in in a digestible form that folks can listen to. And then what happens is people start extrapolating things from that because there is a lack a lack of that messaging. Uh, whose responsibility that is? It's a different story. But uh, yeah, we're, I'm going to try to bring them in. As if, I'm going to ask them. Hopefully, they can sit down and let them try to tell their message so we can get some of the stuff cleared up. Well, and, and part of the reason is as you get into these projects and they start coming out of the ground, there are a million things going on that are around you that you're dealing with. 
and you ha feel the need to explain some of them because they aren't core to the message, but they are critically important to a cohort in the community. So you're spending time talking about the environmental impacts of streamwater rather than the housing affordability that you're providing for current residents. Again, the three, the three phone calls, excuse me, four phone calls, that's this many. The four phone calls, sorry. Three, four, it was close. He's the four start using his toes. <laughs> Yona's out of town. Yona's yeah. out of town. Yona's out of town. Yeah. Um, we love you, Yona. But, but, but Forrest has been keeping me straight, so that's good. The that's dog. the dog. Uh, the four phone calls I had on the way in, right? It, this is the same conversation that we're having. You know, hey, where can I go? Where can, I, where can my client buy something? They're teachers, they're firemen, they're police officers. Well, and, and what can we done? And what we're seeing right now in Charlottesville is a dramatic element of change. Let's go. Let's go there. Oh, I thought you might like to. Please. The, I worked on that segue all day. Nice um, <laughs> the, the Charlottesville hired a consultant to build first an affordable housing plan, then to build that a, a comp plan, comprehensive plan around the affordable housing plan, and that was a, approved in December of last year, of two years ago now. And now they're working on the zoning, which is law. Comp plan is guide, zoning is law. And there are some in the community that believe that will be approved by council prior to <laughs> June 19, 2023. You got the clippers? Hold on a second. But continue to talk. Okay. But the, 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 idea, the idea behind the zoning is to make more housing available. It literally will allow anyone who has a... Uh, a single-family unit to put up a duplex, triplex, or quadplex by right. You'll still have to meet certain uh, building requirements, but you won't have to go through the legislative process and hear your neighbors complain about why you shouldn't do it. And once that passes on, on or before June 19, 2023, Mr. Smith will be known as the clean-shaven Mr. Smith. <laughs> Uh, for I those carry this are, around. I, I am ready to. I am. It's a very quiet clipper. Well, you know, when you spend with, you know, my sister said this is what the buy. For those bought. that are not um, watching, if you're strictly listening, Keith Smith has clippers. Clippers. He's prepared to lose the bet. Neil Williamson is going to win the bet. Keith is going to have his mustache shaven live on here. Yeah, I'm. I'm I am. You know, look. Uh, uh, I want to lose this mustache, and that's saying a lot. I've had this on my face since 1985. That tells you. It also speaks to your character and how kind of, you know you're a good man. Well, you're a good man. Thank you. So, so 1985, Jerry, where were you in 1985? I was uh, what? How old I was? Almost four. <laughs> <laughs> almost four years old. <laughs> oh, my mustache is almost as old as you. Oh, good lord. Um, the the. But I I, I, I love you guys. I thank you. I, 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 that was we keeping score. Somebody yeah. keeping score here. That was a singer for me. Uh, yeah. Got it. Got it. Got it. The, no one has sung him yet. Yeah. Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the um, so the the zoning right now is uh, they've released module one, which was 170 pages, a large number of uh, images, um, saying what can and can't be done. Um, I have read 150 pages of the document. I'm still working on the balance, and I will get that done over the weekend. The, uh, the idea behind it is much more of a form-based code than 
so far of what I've read, more form-based code to create a street, uh, a, a, rec, a, a relationship to the pedestrian, and to create a street activity. There are some things I have real questions about um, with regard to um, how it's written, but there are, um, I encourage folks to get engaged in this process. There will be two more modules, I believe, delivered, out-delivered. The first module was delivered on time, uh, and I believe we will see it enacted uh, by 19 June. You know, and I will gladly, gladly lose this mustache. Yeah. And with, 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 with and absolute to be clear, excitement. Neil Williamson made a bet over a bottle of bourbon. Someone else at the table upped the ante. Judah. <laughs> no, <Poor> Judah. <laughs> Sitting there going, going to... But, you know, let's talk, let's talk about my mustache and my bet a little bit. Um, while we're on the city of Charlottesville, do you think um, the, the seating, of, set, seating of a new city council member may have that 19th in jeopardy? I, I think the, it's a very good question, but I think it's... And which, it, which of the four will help move that... In politics, law? you have to count to three in Charlottesville. Do I believe... You don't, think, you don't think they're going to want to go for a, a full, full five? See, I think that, I think to Neil's point, there's already the uh, political capital to count to three yeah, yeah, with the guys on dais. But to your point, I think they're going to want to have a full dais before doing yeah, yeah. this. Yes, they, w they will want to have a full dais yeah. for the vote. And but we already have the political capital. The political capital has been spent. Well, yeah. it, the comp plan doesn't, get in, doesn't become reality absent the zoning. The zoning may get some tweaks. I'll be very interested to see if it's all of it survives uh, legal challenges. I fully anticipate you will see uh, lawsuits. Um, the uh, well, I know one, but but that but that'll be after I lose my mustache. And that will be while you're clearly shaven. Um, the but but that's an important point to say because the fact that and the the fact that it gets approved doesn't mean it's actually going to get implemented, right? Well, it could get tied up it, 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 if there's a stay. The reality is that if they enact it, it becomes law on whatever enactment sure. date they set. And then a judge can put a stay on that order and, and not allow them to enforce it or not, depending upon the merits of the case and the arguments that are brought forth. Um, I, there are parts of it that I really, I still am trying to understand how they work under Virginia law. Um, the idea of sublots, um, which are... Lots that aren't really lots. That seems kind of tenuous in legal construct. Reminding everyone for the 50th time, I am not a lawyer. So um, I can tell you out in Seattle, the land trust that I'm helping out there are doing, they just lease it. So it's not technically a sublot. So when I was sitting last night. Right, and, and that's operating under Washington state law. That is Not correct. Virginia state that, law. That is absolute, that's absolutely Those are true. different states, Keith. But Really? Thank you. So there's three. That's number three, right? Or number four? Was that number, that was number four? four. That was number, number four. four. Number four. Yeah. Thing. Thank you. Um, so I have to, to remind everybody, there there are four modules. Module number one, which is what we're looking right now, which I read last night at the bar, uh, zoning districts, rules of measurements, use tables, and zoning map. Number two, which is what I'm most ex interested in seeing, is the actual development standards. So this will be landscaping, parking, signs, lighting. 
that that I think is going to be a much more in-depth conversation from the from the practitioner's perspective of it. And then the last module is three is the actual administration and review process of it, which is to me also more interesting because once you get it approved, how once the city approves it, how are we going to get a project approved? Well, then, and there are key elements that may or may not find their way after legal review to be a part of this ordinance. And that's what this is, is an ordinance. It's a long ordinance. But the, um, the parking is one that I've heard raised time and again. Yeah. How are you going to handle that in addition to the other infrastructure? Yeah. Where, where, where are all these people going to drive or where are they going to be sending their kids to school? These are real good questions. So to your point, Module 1, and I, again, I read it last night. I actually buzzed through all the pictures because I'm kind of familiar with them. Get to the text end of it. It's mostly the pretty pictures, right? This is a visual, very visual module where it shows this is what this will look like and this is what that look like. But when we get to Module number 2, that's the nuts and bolts of it, exactly how this, how this is going to work. Well, I, I want to credit the city for reaching out. Um, to CADRE, which is the Charlottesville Area Development Review, uh, Roundtable, um, and they said, hey, here's Module 1. Break it. Tell us what doesn't work. You know, take some of your projects and run it through this, and what, what works, what doesn't work. Asking design professionals for their help is the way to get things done. Get, get buy-in from those regulated when drafting regulations. That's what they're not doing in Albemarle on the affordable housing, and that's what they are doing in the zoning uh, for community development, or rather neighborhood development services in the city. It's, a, it's an extremely robust and thorough process. I have kudos to them. So for folks that want to go out and see, there's three Module 1 uh, open houses coming up. February 26th at 22nd, excuse me, at the Charlottesville High, High School, School. 23rd at Buford Middle School, and the 25th at City Space, which I am um, actually going to attend. And then on the 28th, there's a Planning Commission work session. If you go into their website, you can actually sign up. SeavillePlansTogether.com. Is it .org or .com? Uh, I'll check. .com. And that's a very robust, all the documents, all the way through the process, SeavillePlansTogether.com. So here's my question. I got one, too. Go ahead. I bet you it's the same one. Yeah, I probably Eagles is. by five. That you go, Ashley. <laughs> you think, huh? Oh, is this another bet? No, stop it. You got, you, you're getting me into way too much trouble. Really, Eagles by five, huh? Why five? Because it's going to be a very close game. Got it. So I'm, I'm, What's I'm, your question, Keith? So <laughs> Try I, lose squirrel. I, yeah, squirrel. I, I lose my mustache. This gets adopted on the on the on the nineteenth or, or there before before that. Let's assume they work out everything. Is this really going to move the needle? And if so, how much? That was my question. I, the, yeah. This will improve housing affordability in the city. How much? This is going to be an evolution, not a revolution. It will take time for folks to figure out how to utilize the code best. There will be missteps along the way. There will be spaces that get developed first fast and furious. There will be years of pulling parcels together so that then the whole block, a whole city block can be developed and be developed in a higher density where it needs to be, close to services and close to employment. So what he means by that is um, eventually a developer is going to buy a few houses next to each other and then combine the land 
and then build something more dense. That's what you're alluding to. Uh, that's what I'm alluding to, and it may be three parcels, it may be four parcels, but it will be, it, it, it's the conversation I have about transit all the time. It's, it's a barbell conversation. In order for transit to work, you have to have a lot of people in one place and a lot of a place where a lot of people want to go. Right. And then you can connect them. In the case, um, in the case of this density, you need to have, den- to have density work. You need to have it in a place where people can live, work, and play and be happy living there. Would you think that the area around the university is going to get developed first? Because that's where the money is? Yes and no. Um, I, I think that some of those uh, parcels are not, some of the, nothing happens absent a willing property owner. Some of the property owners, I don't believe, want their property to sell. That's their right. There's they have property rights, but there are. I think probably you'll see some things close to the university, close to the hospital, is where um, that's an employment center. And while the university is an employment center, it also has is an academic center. So I think that the hospital area is probably more primed than the university standalone. Grayson says, "Ask Neil." Um, Jerry, about your take with the extra applicants and how UVA is going to utilize the increased density um, to raise enrollment at school. So basically what I've been saying is um, if UVA sees the additional density possibility coming online, then it understands that it could potentially enroll more students because it's got more houses for them that it doesn't have to own on grounds and manage on grounds. You buy that, yes or no? UVA has not stated any intention of increasing increasing the number of undergraduate or graduate students. That being said, they are increasing some of their schools, and one could say, well, perhaps... They're adding schools. They're adding schools. Yeah. But the, the actual enrollment, I have been told by people within the university community, is not destined to change dramatically anytime soon. I don't see us ever going over 30,000. Wow, yeah, I, and that, and I may be wrong, but that's I think just, you're wrong on that. I, well, I'm not going to bet anything, but devil's the, advocate for you. But the same conversations I'm having, it seems like that's. So if work. they create a data science school, yeah, and they create a biotech institute, yeah, are they going to then decrease the undergraduate school enrollment because they're adding additional schools? So I think to 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 Neil's point, they're adding schools, and maybe that group of folks won't be counted. Into the, maybe a whole different. That sounds pool. like a smoke and mirror game. That, That's a shell it, game. It, right there. it could be a little politics there. Okay. But. So if you add additional schools and you keep the undergraduate enrollment the same, aren't you upping enrollment? It, right. Yes. I am being told okay. that enrollment is not being increased anytime so, in the near future. So the want- three of us are. I hate to use the phrase again. Common sense guys. If two new schools come on grounds. And enrollment stays the same undergraduate. Aren't they going to have more UVA students? I, I don't know the mechanics of UVA to say that all their schools are oversubscribed or that it's a zero-sum game. But we do know the class of 2027 has the most applicants in the history of UVA history. That, could, mean, that, could, that, that could drive one more person to have to read applications. That doesn't mean they accept anymore. That's fair. That's a fair comment. That's a fair response right there. So I'm going to change gears on yeah. everybody. I emailed to Judah, if, if Judah was, has the time to do it, to drop into the feed the actual map, the zoning map, the proposed zoning map on it. And as I was reviewing all these documents, um, I decided to pick on the RA, which is, again, I didn't do a formal one, but looking at the map is darn near three-quarters of that 
of the of the map. So that was when I was focusing. Okay, what do they want to do with RA? Because when you start looking at some of the the, the mixed node modules and and the industrial or the special special like civic, the, the percentage of unit of area is pretty small, right, on that end of it. And so I wanted to take a hard look at what the RA and the RB, which is, seems to me the two largest uh, volume of, of areas, and what would that really impact us if if 5% did it? I just, I think this is a great thing. I think this is going to help uh, density. It's going to help inventory. It's It's going to potentially help housing affordability, I just don't think we're ever going to sit, hit the numbers to really move that needle in a great direction. I may be wrong. I may have to grow my mustache again to take another bet to, to, sign, to, to shave it off, but I, I mean, do you, do you think we're going to add about 50,000 people? We're going to add another 10,000? Or, you know, I, I just don't know if we're really going to add that many to the process. I think we will. I think we're going to add. I think the population is going to uptick. Yeah. I think the population will uptick because of the two schools. And what happens if we get the 300 to 500 million for the regional tech hub from the federal federal government? I, I get all that. I, that I don't disagree with. I think, and, and we, we talked about it the other day. I was, I was, I was sitting at uh, Tavola Bar last night next to a guy that came from Austin that just got hired over at Willow Tree. He's coming from Austin, moving into Willow Tree, you know, being who we are. We're talking to people at at the, at the, at the bar, and I got a, I potentially got a buyer. Uh, did you at, give them your uh, business card? Oh, was I supposed to do that? <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> well, you're you're cool. You I have got the phone. I yeah. got that's what yeah. I did. He scanned it. I love in, that. I love and, it. And 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 we're talking. Then we went into another conversation about his brother's a real estate agent in Austin. that's not making any money. What can I do to help him? But but that's what's happening. So my point is is that are we going to increase enough density that 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 will move the housing affordability needle? I pray and hope so. I just. I just don't know if we're going to get to that mass of numbers. What do you think, Neil? Am I wrong? Well, there was a um, regional needs assessment done uh, back in 1999 that highlighted the number of affordable units that Charlottesville needed. And I don't remember. Do you remember what that number was for Charlottesville? Oh, God, in the thousands. It was in the thousands. So, again. So so everybody knows here. I'm I'm kind of playing a little bit of devil's advocate here, right? You know, uh, and and what, what we're... What we're saying is, this will help. This oh, there's is no not, doubt about that. This will help. And just like UVA's commitment to affordable housing, it will help. Will it solve the problem? No. Uh, um, as Barbara Bush used to say about the starfish that she threw back into the ocean, did it make a difference? Well, it did to that starfish. <laughs> it's right. It's true. So the conversations I, I, I'm having with a couple of Fulvana County elected officials and, 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 as you know, the Regional Housing Partnership, we do our roundtable, our, our roadshow, as we're calling it, and, and, and we're going to have two uh, next Friday. Uh, Moselle Booker and Chris Fairchild are going to join us. You know, one of the things we, we talk about when we do the roundtable is the regional interconnectivity of housing affordability, you know, and I think you're starting to see Louisa County is, 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 is talking uh, housing affordability, which is a great conversation to have. You're starting to see some of the 
outlying counties understand that what happens in Charlottesville impacts them, what doesn't happen in Charlottesville impacts them, what happens in Fulvana impacts Charlottesville. So this is one of the reasons I'm so uh, an advocate for this regional, regional approach. That being said, your county, your home county is about ready to bring a bunch of units on. Well, it will bring them on when uh, the folks that have already completed the entitlement process choose to bring them on. Sure. Um, that is property rights. They don't, the county has approved about 2,000 units, mainly located in the Rutgersville area, um, th to come online. What, how quickly they'll come online? There was a project, I think it's before the board next week, maybe it was this week, that talked about bringing only 97 units a year on as a cycle. Um, how quickly they come online is really a function of the market as well as the, the, uh, the builders associated with it, how, how much they want to move forward with it, and how easy they can get the contractors to do the work. So it is a, um, a dynamic. I was um, in a meeting the other day with uh, someone who was bemoaning the fact that someone got an approval to do something and then didn't do it. I said, well, that's the property owner's right. It, it, if you get the permission to do it, you don't have to do it. It is up you, to you the property owner. You can't mandate you. It has to be started. In the right. Certain, yeah. But the point I guess I'm trying to make at, looking at all the jurisdictions around here, to say that in some sort of process, right, regardless if it's being produced or not, that Green County seems to be kind of the standout here with two, potentially 2,000 units coming. Green County's in the catbird seat. I mean, the, uh, the momentum and the tailwinds behind Green County is, is tangible. Well, there are, and there are concerns, as there are with any new development in any locality. So those You're talking NIMBYs? I'm, not, I'm talking real, realists, neighbors, that say, okay, you're going to bring 2,000 units here. Um, where are those kids going to school? That's a very real question. So how are, how are you planning for this? What is it you're going to do? And what is, how does your capital improvement plan address the demands of the new units in Louisa? What are you doing to get them? Louisa schools are great. Are they properly located? How long does it take a kid from a gated community on the edge of Zion's Crossroads to get to an elementary school? Those are questions that the neighbors have. So, so this, questions. Is, this is the beginning of these Friday roundtables. So I have two Green County Board of Supervisors coming in that later in the month. I'm working on a couple from Louisa County so we can actually have these conversations similar to the, the, the Sunshine and Dan uh, conversation, you know, to have the actual folks at the table to have this, this, this conversation. Uh, but as you guys have been talking, just for the heck of it, I've been trying to take a look at what is active under $250,000 right now. And the car footprint? And the car footprint detached. We'll start over at There's 20. And, and again. How many in Almora? Uh, hold on one second. How many people you. start their uh, housing climb? in a detached home with a white picket fence. I no, see. well, we're, we're going to go to attached next. And how many people start their climb with a rope ladder hanging to the attic? That's my, my roommate. There's, He's totally, there's right. Three He's totally in, right. There's three in Albemarle County. He's totally right. Um, I, I started with a condo. You know, maybe, maybe the mindset just needs to change. And there's condo inventory out there. And I understand that everybody wants the backyard and the white picket fence, but hey, 
I mean, I lived in a condo for seven years. <laughs> Anybody want to take a stab at attached under 250 in the six jurisdictions? How many? Attached under 250? So these are either... Condos or townhomes? No, no, no. Condos I'm going to do separately. Okay. So these are either duplexes or townhomes. Attached under 250. Wow. Under, I would, under, under 250. I would bet there's not many. One. Is that true? Right. Where is it at? Uh, Sycamore Square. That's out okay. in Fulvana County. That's a good spot. How about condos? I'm going to do condos the, here in the, a second. The, thing to, the other thing to look at, and I'm not a realtor nor a lawyer, but it is important to recognize the loc- how important it is to have a trusted expert and, and a trusted advisor in understanding the locality that you're looking at. Uh, and the results. Now, we're talking regionally here, but, you know, uh, as one who grew up in a not-so-distant locality, um, you, you see how many uh, attached 250 products do you see, like, in Williamsburg? You don't. Right. You don't. Six. Uh, Brittany Gray says this for yeah. the panel, and it's a good point, Brittany. She says condos are often not warranted, and people just starting out cannot afford 20% down payments. Mm-hmm. She put a good point on there. When I bought the villas, I did put 20% down, and a lot of people cannot do that. A lot of people cannot do that, and sometimes if it's totally unwarranted, even 20% won't work right. Uh, right. on that. On that great point, though. Yeah, that's a great point, Brittany. There are, there are six condos available in that foot, footprint uh, Villas at Southern Ridge, Hessian Hills, Eagles Landing, Eagles Landing, and the other two are in what we talked about last Friday um, in Wintergreen. So we and uh, I will take a quick look at them with somebody on the chat just to see because generally they they'll note in there are they warrantable or non warrantable. Uh, Juan Sarmiento says we need um, a new high school in Louisa County. The county is completely um, booming. Um, multiple people are saying this is not housing affordability in any means we empathize with you guys completely um spencer is saying that the increased density that's coming to this area is going to be scooped up by these new schools which is what i think uh spencer also says until albemarle county expands its developmental area outside the five percent the added land in charlottesville city is just going to be more coveted which is going to drive the price i think it's a decent point right there by spencer Katie Pearl says it's extremely hard to buy condos. Most of the affordable condos are not warrantable, which makes it impossible for lower-income purchasers to buy. So multiple realtors are putting on the feed the warrantable issue. And it's 100% true. When I got the villas, I had to put 20% down or I could not buy the villas. So so just to put a bow around the warrantable and non-warrantable, the simple formula is is if the the condo association is... um, less than 50% owner-occupied, it's technically considered unwarrantable. That's where you get at that end of it. And the rationale behind that at the federal level is um, the, the, the businesses, for lack of a better term, that owns the, the units could control the, the association or the condo association. And that is happening at the Villas. Bart Fry, the developer from Virginia Beach, has control of the association. Yeah. Yeah, so you, you guys are 100% right. I love the viewers and listeners. I'm, you, I'm, you're not going to slide one by them. And, and no. I, I appreciate Spencer, not me, that brought up that the government restrictions on development areas have a direct impact on housing affordability because of the constriction of supply. Right. 
Right. Are, are they ever going to grow that? Uh, John's also made that point on the show. So is anonymous <laughs> that if an Almaro County continues to limit um, the area of development, then this development area that comes online in Charlottesville City is going to be coveted by the people that otherwise would be developing in Almaro. That's a fair point. And go back to our conversation about the development incentives, right? That, you know, that, that's going to drive that conversation. The thing that I want to take a look at and been reading these hundreds of pages on it, is there any incentives, which there are, affordability incentives for the, for the city rezoning, rewrite that, that they're doing? Now, is it obligatory? Is it not obligatory? That's a whole different conversation to have, but there are some bonus densities that I was reading yesterday in the city for uh, if you have a certain percentage of uh, affordability to it at a certain percentage AMI. But there, there's a long, long, a lot of work between now and I lose my mustache that has to go through that. But uh, folks should try to attend these meetings if they can, or even better, file free enterprise forum. Support my dear friend that's sitting to my right. Or even better, donate. That's what I was yeah. about ready to yeah. go to. Donate so he can continue to do that and show up in these meetings and do these wonderful selfies that you do. I'm, I'm happy to have the support of the community uh, doing You're the work really that I do. You're really good at your job, man. I, I, yeah. I enjoy what I do. Um, I do go to a lot of boring meetings, um, and I do uh, live tweet many of them. I love it. So just a little, a little. I genuinely, I genuinely learn from your live tweets. And a little shout out to you, and 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 you. Maybe I'll embarrass you a little bit, but I don't think there's a single elected official that you talk in front of. They may not agree with you, but they respect you. Oh, no doubt. And and that's huge, right? So the the. The, there may not be agreement, but there's, there's civility in the conversation, um, and they take what you say seriously. And I, and I know you well enough to say this. You take what they say seriously on that end of it. And, and that's okay. You're just not sitting there yelling at people. You're actually trying to engage in a conversation to change. So my hat, or soon-to-be mustache, is off to you on that end of it. I, I concur. Uh, the mayor of McIntyre, Bill McChesney, if Neil loses the bet, does he have to grow a mustache? That's a great idea, Bill. I had a full COVID uh, mustache and beard, uh, and my wife um, made it certain that that needed to go away. I think that's away. where the bourbon comes in. Yeah. I'll get a bottle of bourbon. He gets it, but, a bottle of bourbon. But look, you know. Speaking of bourbon, Kevin Yancey, make sure you give it to Day Scott 41. I have, <laughs> I'm not prepared to shave it off yet, but I'm, you know, I'm pretty sure I'm losing this bet. This, this bet was a year ago we made the bet. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I, I, was, I was wondering if the, if the new sitting of a... Uh, City Council might screw that date up a little bit. Multiple people are asking who right. Neil Williamson would like to see in that seat. If I know Neil, he's not going to answer that one directly. I, I, will, I will say that Charlottesville is blessed to have a number of highly qualified applicants uh, to choose from. I, I, I'll ask Keith Smith this. I've been a huge proponent of Kathy Galvin for yeah. that seat. Do you want to answer that one or take that? It seems to me it's between Zakos and Galvin because of their institutional memory being on council, with Galvin being the most recent, and then Galvin gets the benefit of being an architect. So at the sake of losing my mustache faster, um, Kathy Galvin being an architect and understanding right. land use seems like a no to me would make sense in that. Um, and she's indicated that she doesn't want to run for re-election. Yeah. So whether we admit this or not, I'll say this. Snook, who's running for re-election, would not be hand-picking his competition. Yeah, so let, let, let's, I, 
if we've got time, we got time. Let's talk about that, right? Because I was watching a couple of tweets this morning. People are confused about the process, right? Um, you know, this decision will be made behind closed doors. This is not an February twentieth. It's not an open, transparent process, right? So, do you want to tackle the process sure. a little well, bit? Well, the process, which I think it's been fifty-five years since Charlottesville had to do it, um, it this has not happened in fifty-five years. Yeah. I believe that's accurate. Wow. Um, the it, quite a while, it, but anyway. it has happened regionally. We've had yeah, it. We've elsewhere. had it happen elsewhere. Yeah, my um, county, it happened. It did. Um, yeah. And the the idea behind it is the current council will seat someone to serve the unfinished term of Cena McGill. That will be decided by four people. Um, I believe they have a, those four people each have different things they want to get out of that person um, and I think that will be an interesting behind the scenes discussion um, but on the 20th you'll have a new city councilor yeah. and then you'll be headed toward a June 6th Democratic primary if there were more than three folks choosing to run for city council and that will be the general election in Charlottesville. Absolutely. Yeah, I would. I would be. Um, Do we think Payne's going to run again? Uh, I, I'm I say, not yes. say yes. I say yes. I'm, I'm not going to say yes or no, but I would be surprised if he doesn't. Run, right. Which is I kind mean, of a yes. We we have tremendous respect yeah. for Michael Payne here. Uh, he's coming on the show. This so is his primary source of income. He's coming on the show, so we can ask him. I know yeah. the next couple of months, I've got all these uh, shows stacked up. I, I, look back on and. Back on, I would be very surprised if Kathy doesn't get the nod. Um, That's what I feel. Because of her expertise. And institutional memory, and most recent on council. Absolutely. The other thing to know is the two things that the council is going to be doing in the next 10 months are the budget yep. and the zoning ordinance. And I'm certain that that will influence the four people making the decision on who of the six that have been winnowed down uh, will be serving as your city councilor for uh, March through December. I agree. How about this question that's come in from Grayson? He lives in North Downtown. Gentlemen, if Kathy is in fact picked for that final spot, is it fair that she gets to select a city manager permanent? Mm. Is it fair? Um, or should that, let me add to his statement, should the city manager, the permanent city manager, be hired? next year when you have elected people on the dais as opposed to an appointed person so on the dais. there's an election in the state of Virginia every year. Every year. Yeah. So, you know, that, that process is always happening. We may, in Charles, will be on two-year breaks or something like that, but there's always election. You know, once they get sworn in, they need, they're sworn in to do the job. And, and I do not think that whoever is appointed is any less a city councilor selected by the public because you were, it was selected by representatives that were selected by the public. So I've got a placeholder for after the 20th because whoever's selected, we're going to ask them to join us and, and talk a little bit, which, you know, uh, Kathy's been on the show, your show, many a times, on our, my show a couple of times, so we shall see. Uh, but I think the third point you made is correct, um, Jerry, that, you know, if she really decides not to run again. She said she will not. Yeah. 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 Well, that she may change I mean, her mind. She can it change happens. her mind. It yeah, happens. she can change her mind. It happens. But I think be those three things stacking up, this is her world. She understands land use. She's most recent and she's not going to run again. It's probably making 
uh, making a, a sure bet on, I think, on her coming in. So what do you think? I, I think I said Kathy. Yeah, I think Kathy. You? You want to touch he, that? He, he, I believe I there are six qualified applicants. Yeah, yeah. That's, fair. You, That's fair. He never takes a position. No, I understand. That's completely fair. But, uh, yeah, it's on paper it makes sense. So right. We'll see. Um, follow-up questions are coming on the feed. Have any of you guys heard of additional people running for city council? No. I have not. No. Only the rumors, and rumors aren't worth much. Yeah. I can say this. Bellamy, who I thought could run for council, is running for delegate, so we know he's out of that, as is Dave Norris. So you've taken two off the table yeah. that could have run for council that are now running for delegate. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I think time will tell. When's, when's the... Uh, June 6th. June 6th. Yeah. So early the, voting starts May 5th. Yeah. Well, so, so uh, you know, somewhere, somewhere in the next 30 to 60 days, probably closer to 30 days, somebody's going to have to start throwing a hat in because they're just not going to have enough time uh, to, to put a decent campaign. Would, would you agree with that? It depends how many. If, if only three people come in, there's no need for a campaign. Got it. There you go. I mean, I, w- I would hope, and I steal the phrase from you, um, what is it? Candidates matter. Elections matter. Contested elections matter. I hope we have a contested election. I hope it's not just a gateway to um, three people winning. Do you agree? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what, I mean, I've, I've, I'm on the record to say that more than once. Uh, you know, non-contested elections are just an appointment. Right. Right. It's it's just a you know. And should. the election it will be at the Democratic primary level. Yeah, yeah. the election will be at Democratic primary primary level. Um, guys, we're not going to get um, to all these comments here. Um, Neil, you are a popular, dude. Well, um, you know, Neil has the pleasure of me bugging him regularly to come on on. So I, hopefully, he will continue, and we'll bring in, and we'll, we'll as this processes go go on, we'll. We'll get some of that in-depth, and then eventually you're going to sit here and watch me shave a mustache. We, we should say this. How can we support the Free Enterprise Forum? Go to, go to uh, our website, which is freeenterpriseforum.wordpress.com is the fastest way to get there. Um, and you can click on the Donate button, and you can donate online. Um, trust me when I say every little bit matters. The 20 bucks, the 100 bucks, every bit matters. We only exist because we get private funding. We have to raise the money to keep the lights on. So please click on that donate button. Um, Another way to do it is go into Real Talk with Keith Smith on the Partners tab and, and click on the icon there. Brittany Gray says, I really love, in all caps, when Neil Williamson comes on, and I'm seeing this on multiple comments. Guys, Neil Williamson is awesome. Awesome guy. Um, the kind of guy that you want to share a, a meal with, belly up to a bar with, watch the game with, and certainly support the Free Enterprise Forum. The show is archived for those who are asking on realtalkwithkeefsmith.com, fantastic website, if you could preview Monday's show. Yeah, so Monday, I'm, I'm excited. We're going to have uh, Nikki Chambliss in the house, and we're also going to have Woody Fincham in the house. Uh, we're going to be focusing on the other side of the mountain, the real estate market. So Mondays are going to be more uh, real estate-focused, uh, market-focused on the end of it. So keep an eye on Real Talk with Keith Smith under the market reports. I'm dropping in reports and on Sunday, I'll get him off to Judah so he can load, load him in. i got to do the work yet. Judah thanks you. 
Sorry, Jude. I got to do that. That's that's a lot of work on the other side of the mountain because I've got to break it up into different jurisdictions. So I'm sharing the link of the Free Enterprise Forum across social media right now. Judah Wickhauer is our director. Not only does he keep us online, occasionally he's running out packets of information to clients in front of the studio live during the show. That literally just happened. Um, and, and for my Fulvana peeps. Next Friday, we'll have Chris Fairchild and Moselle Booker in, in here. There you go. Judah, thank you. Appreciate you. Um, that's the show. I Love Seville shows up in 45 minutes. For those that are asking, we'll take the clip of Neil talking about Jefferson Vineyards and replay it on our 1230 show because I thought it was very insightful. Thank you kindly for joining us. So long, everybody.